Welcome to the Jameson Files. I'm your host, Carrie Weber, and we're thrilled to have you joining us for another episode. Today, we are going to focus in the realm of marketing. It's always fun to learn about marketing. What's the new trend? What are things that can help us uh, be found more successfully or to bring in more new patients or to refresh our brand? All of those are always fun. But what we don't think about uh, as business owners is what are we doing to make sure that we are being compliant and that we are protected in how our website is present online and is performing. You may or may not know that there are pieces to your website that must be compliant according to the Americans with Disabilities Act. And so I am so thrilled to have our Chief Marketing Officer, Nate Porter, with me today for this episode to talk about not only what you need to be doing to make sure you're protected and being represented correctly according to those ADA standards on your website and how to evaluate to see if perhaps you need to do some updates. Um, but also we're going to talk a little bit about your website in general. Um, we often set it and forget it. <laughs> some of you may be a little more active and intentional in your marketing efforts. You may be doing a lot of things well. Some of you may have some changes or some updates that you need to be considering. And so we're going to talk about those today. And so, Nate, thank you so much for being with me. Yeah, thanks for having me. So let's talk about, to start things off, let's really just give everybody a scare, shall we? Um, let's talk about websites from the side of um, being compliant according to the Americans with Disabilities Act what you even mean? Why are we even talking about this? Can you give a little bit of an update, maybe a news report, so to speak, on what we're talking about today? So uh, about 15% of the population has some sort of disability that would impair them from interacting with your website the way that you know you and I would. Um, and it can be anything from someone who's colorblind to someone who is fully blind or deaf, those kind of things. Um, and so, you know, the web, web, web platforms have been a little bit of a gray area for some time. Um, the ADA has sort of, you know, not uh, been very forthcoming with their regulations and definitions for that. Um, there's been uh, certainly some talk about it and things like that since 2015, 2016. Um, but <clears throat> the, uh, the legislation hasn't really been there. Uh, so what's kind of driven this, though, for business owners and business, um, you know, uh, people who operate websites, whether it's e-commerce or whatever, um, is 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 uh, legal actions. And so uh, in 2016, there was a landmark case against Domino's where someone was trying to order a pizza, allegedly, and they uh, were not able to complete the process because uh, because they were blind and they couldn't navigate to to make that work. Um, and so, you know, people use assistive technologies like screen readers and things like that to help them in that process. Um, uh, Domino's lost that lawsuit. Uh, they appealed it to all the way up to the Supreme Court. Um, and in 2019, the Supreme Court declined to overrule that decision. Um, and so in a way that kind of established the standard for what was acceptable when it comes to accessibility. And so... You know, we talked about this back in 2020, mm -hmm. and now here we are a few years later, and uh, we're seeing that the volume of lawsuits against people has really increased in this area. 
So, so what you're saying is since these lawsuits have started to take place in, in, in doctors' practices, maybe thinking, well, Domino's Pizza is a little bit bigger than us. Um, but what you're saying is at this point in time, because of how legislation or because of how the rulings have gone um, through that kind of initial lawsuit, that just puts every business owner that has a website online at risk um, for groups that are going out to see if you are indeed uh, compliant based upon the ADA. We're not talking about the American Dental Association here, people. We're talking about the Americans with Disabilities Act. Uh, so what can practices do? What do they need to do to make sure they're being compliant and not putting themselves at risk for a fine? So the thing to kind of understand about this is that it's not the same as other compliance in your practice. Um, other compliance in your practice uh, would would be like HIPAA, OSHA compliance, those kind of things, um, which are obviously very important. And you may, you know, receive, uh, you know, scrutiny for that or someone may report something in, in those cases. This is a little different because uh, your website is considered a public space. And so um, it comes under different level of regulation. And also uh, what we're seeing is that the people who are taking legal actions against website owners are not your patients, your local community, your customers, those kind of things. It's uh, legal firms who are using bots to sort of scan the internet, find websites that are uncompliant. Then they kind of filter that by industry to see uh, you know, which industries have a highest likelihood to be able to pay a lawsuit or mm -hmm. legal action. And then they pursue uh, legal action against those, mm -hmm. those businesses. So in the last three years, half of the top 500 websites have been named in a, in a lawsuit wow. to accessibility. So it's very prevalent um, for small businesses and big businesses alike. Mm -hmm. um, and the, uh, they're, they're, they're winning these lawsuits. And, and essentially what they're doing is when they find a website that is not compliant with accessibility, um, they work with a plaintiff on their side to bring the suit and then they uh, take legal action. Uh, so it can be very costly. So what can be some of the initial steps that practices can do to make sure that they are indeed um, they kind of have their I's dotted and T's crossed in this respect? So um, the usability factor is fairly easy to understand. Mm -hmm. um, the implementation is a little bit more difficult. Mm -hmm. um, what what you have to look at is, you know, for people who are co colorblind, for instance, um, you can't have things where you're using only color to indicate uh, something. Oh. So if if a field on a form is required and that's indicated by red text, well, somebody who's colorblind can't tell that. Yeah. Uh, so it's something as simple as that. Um, for someone who's blind, um, there is assistive uh, tags or text that goes along with images, that goes along with... Um, uh, the fields on a form that tell it what it is. It's it's uh, it's in the code. It's not visible on the front end, but as someone using a screen reader, it tells them what that is. Okay. Uh, the same uh, for for video. So if, for video, you are required to have closed captioning um, so that it can read what's happening throughout the video, um, and also text that uh, tells it what the video is about. Mm -hmm. uh, and then there's also um, contrast. So people who are vision impaired but not blind. Um, what, you know, if you have text over an image that may not be very visible to someone, or if you have two colors that are too similar in tone, uh, 
Mm. Uh, might be visible to you and I, but it would be hard for someone who's vision impaired to read. So there's a lot of different things like that. Um, and, uh, you know, we go through a process of auditing websites to identify how many things are, are wrong with them. Um, it can also be something as simple as tab order, where if you're tabbing through a page, maybe it's jumping around instead of going, you know, yeah. in the order you would expect. So, um, so it really does require somebody to, to do sort of an audit of your site to see what's wrong with it. Our team is certified at, you know, in accessibility. And so we've gone through, you know, you know, 10 or 20 hours of training each person yes. to kind of identify all of this. Um, and, you know, our, our developers are, are used to that. Um, but, but it's a, quite a bit of work to sort of change that kind of mindset. So if there's, if this just seems overwhelming and, and you don't even know where to start, you know, because obviously what this, the, the, the story of this is, this was something that we now know that, you know, five years ago wasn't even a thing. <laughs> so this is just another example of the evolution of websites, of marketing, of why it's important to stay up to date with your website. And so um, for those of you that that need help with this, determining what your needs are for your current website, you can reach out to us at Jameson and we would be happy to have a conversation with you and work with you to audit your site um, to determine if you are um, all good or if there are areas that need to be um, improved or changed to make sure that that you're representing yourself correctly um, according to these standards. Um, you know, this just makes me think, when I talk to people in, in lectures about marketing, um, I'm always telling them, you know, if your website is three years old and you haven't done anything to change it, it's completely out of date. Yeah. And we were just talking before now, and you were saying if 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 they haven't done anything to their website since 2020, th there's probably an overhaul that needs to, to, to be done, yeah. right? Yeah. So if you're... E easy to remember back to the 2020. That was yeah. that was pandemic. But unfortunately, so, no one can forget. If you haven't done it since the pandemic, uh, it's definitely time to take a look. I think something else. I mean, while we're on the topic of websites, can we go a little deeper there for yeah. for a little bit? Um, you know, something that I find is interesting is um, even still to this day, even though I feel like websites and and the need for that has really been given its due justice at this point. We're not necessarily fighting as much to help practices understand the need for that online presence. I mean, most practices have a website. It doesn't mean that it's any good or even remotely current, but they have something online with their name on it. Um, but that just doesn't do the trick, especially if you're if you're paying a company to keep that going for you or whatever. What's the point? Here's me getting on a tangent here, but what's the point in, in investing in that when it's really not doing anything for you and your online presence and ability to be found? Would you like to join me on my soapbox about this? Yeah, I mean, so um, the the thing is that a website standalone, you know, it it has it's it's not a traffic driving tool. Mm -hmm. If if you just put a website and stick it out there, mm -hmm. it's kind of like taking a brochure and sticking it somewhere and hoping that people are going to find it. Right. So, um, and, and, you know, maybe right after you launch it, you might get some traffic boost out of it because you are putting new information out there that's getting indexed and might give you a little boost. 
Um, but if you're wanting to actually drive traffic, uh, especially if you're in an area that's somewhat competitive, mm-hmm. um, it needs to be, uh, you know, fresh and it needs to be something that is you're, you're proactively kind of putting new content out there, constantly kind of letting people know that you're in business, you're active, you're mm-hmm. what you're about, all of those kind of things. Google especially has a really hard uh, job when it comes to local businesses because there are thousands of local businesses mm-hmm. and Google needs to try to figure out which ones are open, which ones are relevant, which ones are engaging and popular. And so if it looks like nothing's happened for a year, Google, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Still open. Are they, you know, so, so there's a lot um, that goes into that. Now, if you're in a rural area and you have zero competition, mm-hmm. really it is just a brochure. So there's someone types in your name, they kind of know yeah. what you're about. Uh, maybe it's not as big a deal, but, yeah. but few, there's few and fewer situations like that. So to me, I take, you know, the takeaways from just this brief conversation are, you know, when you think about your website and, you know, it's it's much more than than just that you have one up. It ne- you need to make sure that it's compliant, that it's really um, checking the boxes of what's expected of a functioning website for any level of business at this point. And um, there is an expectation because of that public dom- domain piece. Um, it has to be accessible to people. If you don't know, then it's time to do some due diligence. If you need help with that beyond the, you know, some of the advice that Nate gave today, reach out to us um, or the professional that you trust the most and and let us help you make sure that you are compliant and help you to get compliant if you aren't uh, if you aren't right now. In addition, just to remember that your website represents you in a lot of ways, not only in your ability to be found by your communities or the right patients for you, but it also reflects upon people a perception of who you are as a practice. And by choosing not to keep it up to date, you're losing relevance with every year because websites adapt based upon how the user functions online. And, and so me as Madam User, <laughs> you want to make sure that your website reflects to me that you're up to date, that you're relevant, that you're open, and that you are reflecting the quality of dentistry that you want people to be perceiving they're going to receive from you. So not only do you need to make sure that you are compliant about, upon ADA, Americans with Disabilities Act standards for your own protection, but it's also maybe time to do an overhaul and a look through of your of your website. When was the last time it was updated? Are you being found in searches at the level that you want to be? Are you attracting the right amount of new patients and the right types of new patients because of your online presence? If the answer is no to any of those, it may be time to look for new support or it may be time to do a refresh of your website so that you can start getting the results that you want and need. Um, through your online presence. So Nate, how can everybody find us? What would be some next steps in terms of both looking at their compliance standards at this point, but also in if they need some ideas or some help with their websites, what can they do? Um, so one quick note I wanted to mention about accessibility before yeah, I jump. Sure. So um, th- this is a this is something that is a common misconception, and that is that you can buy a little, uh, you know, accessibility widget, Mm. throw on your website for 50 bucks a month, and that's going to fix your problem. Um, And it is tempting because it's, you know, affordable and it seems like a band-aid solution. But 
about 30% of lawsuits are including the websites who have the little accessibility. Oh, wow. Uh, And so it doesn't protect you because, again, while it can offer some tools, uh, it can block screen readers. Mm. So people can get lost and kind of not know how to navigate just because that thing pops up. Um, It also can't add information that's not there. So it can't identify what a picture is about and add alt text to the picture. Mm. It can't you know, um, add uh, explicit text on buttons. So instead of submit, you know, mm-hmm. submit contact form or whatever. So um, so it doesn't protect you. It's just so there's a, no a easy button. Good, good note. <laughs> that, you know that. Yeah, great that's point. That's a Band-Aid solution that, that doesn't work. Band-Aid solutions in anything typically don't work. So if it, if it, can, if it can be called a Band-Aid solution, it's probably not a solution. <laughs> so. Um, but in terms of finding us and kind of, you know, our... What we've moved to is a web platform model that is uh, a little bit, because of kind of all the tools and HIPAA compliance and forms and all that, we've moved to uh, a model that's that's an ongoing subscription model um, that kind of keeps you from having to worry about this Mm. every two or three years. We implement these changes as they come along. And Mm -hmm. so there's no more kind of, am I out of date? Am I up to date? It's just automatic. You can, you know, go to jmsn.com and and uh, go to our marketing page we have you know information on our websites there um, you can request um, a consultation with us um, and we can specifically just look at accessibility with you and and do an evaluation of that for free just so you have peace of mind to know whether you're protected or not or what the issues are that mm-hmm. are on your current website um, and then we can you know provide you with a recommendation from there so really there is an easy button it's not necessarily easy for us, but it makes it easy for you because you can reach out to us and we can evaluate your needs with you uh, complimentary and let you know um, where your focus needs to go and how we could help you. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Well, Nate, thank you so much for, for being with me today. And thanks to all of you. Uh, remember, there's your your practice is multifaceted. There's a lot that you have to be keeping an eye on and, and making sure it's on you know it's on the right track. And your marketing, your website, that's just one of them. So uh, reach out to us at jmsn.com if we can ever be a help to you. And thank you for joining me for another Jamison Files. We appreciate our Jamison Files community, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Jamison Files. Visit us online at jmsn.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play Music, or Spotify. See you next time.